Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. Romans chapter 1, we'll be reading from verse 15. And the word of the Lord says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the life-giving word of the Lord. The actor and Christian evangelist Kirk Cameron once said, If you had the cure for cancer, wouldn't you share it? He says, you have the cure to death. Get out there and share it. You know, um, yesterday, um, I spent the whole day at my old high school in Arvin, California. They were having the playoffs for our our football uh, program. And being there kind of brought back some memories when I was there. In fact, I was standing there and I realized it's been... 28 years since I graduated from high school. And uh, the thought of that kind of made me feel a little bit old. You know, as Johnny said, but, you know, sometimes when we we say that other people say, you don't know what old is. So Um, somebody had also mentioned that it's been 45 years since they uh, were, uh, they graduated high school. I won't mention any names, but we'll just leave that there. But, um, yeah, it's been a long time. And and I was there, and, and, and yesterday it just seemed kind of, you know, surreal because um, in some respects, you know, some of those memories felt like it was yesterday, and then, and in other respects, it felt like it was just a lifetime ago, right? And um, well, after I graduated high school, I immediately enrolled uh, in a couple of classes at California State University of Bakersfield, and uh, one of the classes I took was uh, in communications, and uh, which meant that about halfway through the class, the the teacher expected for you to draft a speech and then deliver it in front of the class, which wasn't a big deal to me because even at that time, I wasn't afraid to get in front of a group of people to speak. Public speaking has not been a big fear for me. I know some people, you know, they'd rather die than get up in front of people, but that's just not me. I know that I'm weird like that. That's just the way God wired me up. In fact, um, I'm, I've always been fairly comfortable being in front of larger groups and, uh, and talking. But on the other hand, you get me in a smaller setting with just a few people, and especially around people I don't know very well, I become pretty shy and introverted. That's, you know, I, I tend to withdraw. It's just kind of, like I said, how God's wired me up. Um, but as I said, the assignment that we had was that we had to, to write a speech and to deliver it to the entire class. And the professor at the time, you know, uh, he, he thought it would be a good idea to record them uh, on an old camcorder back in the day when they actually had tapes. You know what I mean? Um, which was like the latest technology a long time ago. Um, but uh, a few days after we gave the speeches, the, the professor thought it would be a really good idea for all of us to get back in the class and then rewatch all those speeches that we saw. But this time we'll watch them on TV, you know, so that we can critique ourselves and critique our, our fellow speakers and so we can all become better was kind of the idea, which, which actually was the beginning of a perfect storm for me because 
the night before I was already up too late, right? I stayed up way too late, probably watching TV, you know, and, uh, and so I was already tired. And this class was like late, like, like early afternoon, you know, after lunch, it's that time for me personally, I kind of experienced that lull. Like uh, if there's a time I could take a nap, that would be it. I was already kind of sleepy, you know, before I, you know, could catch my second wind. And if that's not bad enough, it was winter. So they had the temperature up on the room a little bit. So it's nice and warm and comfortable and, and then the professor turns the lights off, you know, and getting kind of comfortable. And, and if you thought, if I thought the speeches were boring the first time around, they were really boring the second time. And all of this, you know, kind of comes together and it wasn't very long. And then I was out, right? And I'm not, I'm not talking about like a little bit out. I'm talking about like dead to the world kind of out, right? I mean, we're talking about like, like, you know, sleeping through like, like a train wreck kind of out, right? Full-on dreaming kind of out, right? And so, um, and so while I was sleeping, I was having this dream. And it was just kind of a weird dream. But, you know, when you're young, you have these, or boys have these dreams about fighting with people. I don't know why. We just do, right? And, and, and so I had this dream. Somebody wanted to fight me. And so in my dream, I was very upset. I was angry. And I wanted to fight them too. And I remember in my dream yelling at this person. And, and about halfway through that, I woke up. You know, making some sort of noise. It was like, uh, you know, right? And I woke myself up and I realized I'd been asleep. And I'd probably been doing a little bit more than just sleep, sleep talking. You know what I mean? So, so in this dark room, I could feel all the eyes of my classmates, you know? And I was like, oh. So I leaned over to the guy next to me and I said, hey, I fell asleep. He goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. I said, uh, I woke myself up making a noise. He goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, uh, well, was it loud? He goes, oh yeah, it was loud. <laughs> so at that, I was like, okay. I gathered up all my stuff. I put on my backpack. I stood up without looking at anybody. And I walked out of the classroom to never return to the class and never to return to set foot on Cal State uh, University Bakersfield uh, property ever again. That was the end of my early college career right then. Because I know it sounds, seems silly, but I was really, really embarrassed. I was mortified, right? I mean, I, was, I felt humiliated. The thought of facing those people again, even accidentally, you know, was just too much for me to be able to handle. I know it's weird. I could stand up and give a speech, but I couldn't, you know, handle the pressure of them, them thinking that I was a fool for falling asleep in class. I couldn't take the embarrassments, right? And uh, so I left and I never came back. And it's a funny story now, right? But... Um, that's really kind of the power of embarrassment. It's the power of feeling shame. It's the power that we feel when we experience fear, right? It's the kind of power that, that can alter your life. It can prevent you from doing something that you really want to do. It, it has the power of, of keeping you to keep you from doing the things that you know that you should do, right? And I think we've all kind of experienced that. I mean, how many of you have ever been really embarrassed before? I'm talking about full-on red face, like I'm going to go crawl underneath a rock now somewhere. Yeah, we all kind of know. We've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, you know, joined the club, whatever. Okay, We all have, right? And we all know what it's like to be humiliated, right? And we know what it's like to be embarrassed, and we know what it's like to be ashamed. And, you know, we all know what it's like to want to do something, Right? But be afraid to do it, like to get up and give a speech or to talk to somebody new, right? Or, or go out for a sport. Or, heaven forbid, ask for directions, right? Or say, I'm sorry. 
right? We all know what it's like to be embarrassed that way. We all know what it's like to feel that shame. And we know how, what it's like to have that stuff hold you back from doing something you want to do or need to do. Like, why won't you share the gospel with other people? Why won't you tell your friends about the, the life-saving power of Jesus Christ? Why won't you tell your coworkers about your relationship with Christ? Why won't you tell the strangers that you meet that you will never, ever see again anyway about how Christ died to set them free? Why do you struggle to tell your family and your friends about the hope that you have and that it's only found by turning to Christ in faith? Why are we so resistant to share the hope of the gospel? That's a big question. Right? That's a question that we're all wrestling with, I think. Right? And it's a question we're going to tackle today in part two of our series titled Entrusted with the Gospel. You see, last week we opened up and we talked about how all of us at some point in our lives, we believe that we would love to change the world. And, we, and, and the reason why is because obviously it needs to be changed. You don't have to, it didn't take very long to see, right? From politicians and Hollywood celebrities sexually assaulting hundreds of victims to kids committing heinous crimes to psychopathic people who go around shooting everything and everyone, including people who worship and little kids in their schools. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that, that, that something's wrong, that the world's broken, filled full of broken people. And, and most of us would want to change that. And, and when we were kids, we believed that we could. We believed that we could do anything. We could change the world. But then something happened to us, right? We grew up, became disillusioned. It seems the problem we solve seems to make other things worse. Or the problems we solve only lead to other problems. It seems like changing the world is impossible, Right? And so we begin to ask ourselves, what can I do? I mean, really, the problems are so big and I'm so small. What can I do? And for many of us, we begin to become very disillusioned. Right? We begin to believe that we can't do anything to really impact the world around us. And some of us just give up. Right? Some of us just get so overwhelmed by the obstacles and we just say, forget it. The best that I'm going to be able to do is take care of me and mine. And that's it. And for others of us, you know, we do what we can. We try to make the world a better place in small, practical ways. We sponsor a child, you know, through one of the one of them agencies. We 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 help our neighbors. We we donate food to the food pantry. Praise the Lord for that. And and, and those those things are all good. But for many of us, we feel like that's really all we're able to do. Like that's that's the the most that we're able to accomplish in this world. And then others are those who who don't think that there's any point at all, right? Because because, you know, and, and some of them have this notion that the world's going to end anyway soon. And so God doesn't really care about the world. And they believe that, that it's going, all going to hell in a handbasket anyway. So why even try? You see, for, we either feel like we are helpless because life is hard and complicated. And we feel like we can't do anything. Or we feel like, you know, because of our end times convictions, it's pointless to do anything. Or we feel like we can do some things, but it's really not going to be much compared to the problem. Right? We're not going to really accomplish a whole lot. Right? You see, there's a time when we would dream really, really big. When all things were possible, now we seem to live in a time, in a place where the best that we can hope for is just to get by. But as we talked about, but as we talked about, 
You were not called by God to simply get by. You were not saved so you could just live your life watching history march on. That is not what you were saved for. You were saved for a purpose. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created us for a purpose. He handcrafted is really kind of what the expression means. He handcrafted us for a reason. And that reason, that purpose is to glorify God by changing the world. You were called by God, the God of the universe to change the world around you. And not just temporarily, but permanently, eternally. Yes, you were called to feed the hungry. Yes, you were called to make peace. Yes, you were called to mourn with a broken-hearted but understand those things are temporary, right? Because people will be hungry again. The brokenhearted will, will, will experience loss again. People will be in conflict again. People will suffer all the way up until Christ comes back. Yes, we do those things, but as a means to fulfill our purpose. Right? A purpose that lasts for eternity. And that purpose is to glorify God In all the world by sharing the hope of Christ with the rest of the world. Because it is sharing the gospel. It is the sharing of the gospel that changes the world. Not just temporarily, but permanently. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, The gospel is the power of God for salvation. The gospel, the message of Jesus Christ is not just some story. It is not simply some religious idea. It is the very power of God to bring salvation to anyone who believes. That is what the gospel is. It is the power of God to save the lost. And that salvation, as we said, is a complete salvation. Which means forgiveness of sins. Right? Freedom from the penalty that we deserve because of our sins. Freedom from the power of sin in our lives. Being able to break the chains of addiction. Right? Peace with God because we were once his enemy. Now we have peace with him. Reconciliation in our relationship with God. And ultimately an eternity with God. Where we not only escape the grip of hell. But we live forever in his life-giving presence. Where sin and death and pain are no more. That's the kind of salvation that the gospel brings. The gospel is the very power of God to change the world forever. And last week we talked a lot about that. And we talked about what the gospel actually is in a nutshell. The gospel in the most basic form is the fact that you have a problem, but you can't solve that problem. But God in his love for you solved it for you. In fact, the gospel at its foundational level is this. And forgive me if any of these slides are misspelled or there's errors. That would be me. All right. But the gospel at the foundational level is this. That you have a problem in your life. You are a sinner. And that problem will lead to catastrophic consequences here and now. Because sin divides family. Sin creates issues. Sin destroys relationships. Right? But, you, but, but worse than that, the consequences last to inter, into eternity as well. Which means because of your sin, you're going to go to hell. And there is nothing you can do to fix that on your own. You're helpless, but then God made a way to solve your problem. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. 
to take the punishment for you. And there is only one solution to your problem, and that is Jesus Christ. And you can have access to that solution, the solution that solves your greatest problem, by receiving it as a gift of God's grace through faith. That is the gospel at the most foundational level. That's what the gospel is. You have a problem, right? It's going to cost you big. You can't fix it. God has the solution. And, you can, and all you can do is accept that as a gift. That is it. And the gospel is the power of God. It is the power of God to save souls and change the world. The message is the very power of God to bring salvation to anyone who will believe. That gospel is the power of Almighty God to change someone's life forever, for eternity. And that's the power that you have been entrusted with. Right? You have been entrusted with the gospel. You, as a believer of Christ, have been entrusted with the gospel. A tool so powerful that it can literally change the world forever. In fact, you were never more powerful in your life than when you're wielding the gospel of Jesus Christ. You never wield any more power in your life than when you're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care how much political power you have. I don't care how much firepower you have. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much influence you have. You never are more powerful than when you're using the gospel of Jesus Christ to change lives. I mean, think about this. Jesus and 12 disciples changed the whole world. Right? We're here today because 2,000 years ago, the gospel message was preached. You got up this morning... You got dressed and you came here to sit here because the gospel message was preached 2,000 years ago. The Christian faith conquered the Roman Empire and it conquered Roman culture. Right? That's how powerful it is. And what you have to understand about Roman culture is that the people in first century Rome, they didn't care about the poor. Right? They didn't make provisions for poor people. They didn't, there were no hospitals for, for sick people. Right? There were no food programs. There were no orphanages. Unwanted children were were either killed or left out in the elements to die. But it was the followers of Christ urged on by the gospel message. It were the Christians who saw that all people are valuable regardless of their age or their sex or their race. It was Christians who helped the sick and even dying during the Black Plague. It was the Christians who created and invented hospitals and orphanages. It were the Christians who stood up for the impoverished and the marginalized throughout history. And all of this because of the gospel. The gospel continues to spread all over the world in spite of the fact that, that Christians were persecuted and killed. And, because of, and even all-out war couldn't stop the gospel. In fact, here's a look of how the gospel has spread across the world in the face of some very powerful forces uh, throughout history.
the gospel message has changed the world. And it's still changing the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ is exploding in places like Africa and China and Indonesia. The gospel is growing in places like North Korea, Iran, and Iraq. In fact, I don't know if you realize, but there are more Christians in China right now than there are in the United States. For the first time in history, the gospel is changing the entire world. The gospel is the most powerful force you will ever wield in your entire life. It is the power of God to radically alter and change the lives of everyone you share it with. The gospel not only has the power to save people right, and give them eternal life, but it also has the power to shape their life here and now. The gospel of Jesus has the power to change marriages. The gospel of Jesus has the, the, the power to change families. It can heal broken relationships. It can transform the selfish into the selfless. It can free the addict from their addiction. It can transform the hardest of hearts to the most loving and gracious of people. The power of the gospel is the power of God to change the world. And it's the power that you have access to in order to share with others. It's the power to change and reshape the world for everyone around you for the better. So I ask you, why are you so scared to use it? Why are you so afraid to share it? And you, you know, I'm talking about you. Right? I mean, I mean, there's some of you, a couple of you might not be afraid to share your hope with other people. Right? But. The rest of you, the rest of us, right? We're struggling. Why? And believe me, you're not alone, right? Most Christians believe with all their heart it's, an, it's important for Christians to share their faith. It's like 90%, right? But most of those people never do. Why? I mean, Paul says, I'm under obligation to both Greeks and to the barbarians, both the wise and the foolish. He's saying, I'm under obligation to everyone to tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, so I'm eager, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. He says, I'm, I'm eager to share the gospel. I'm, I'm excited about it. I want to share it. I can't wait. How many of you have actually felt eager to share the gospel with someone else? I remember when I was a new Christian. I remember when I was still a new Christian, my, my brother, who was a meth addict at the time, he called me asking for help. And I knew what he wanted. He wanted money, and I didn't want to give it to him, but I agreed to meet him anyway because he really needed someone to care about him. And so I wanted to tell him I loved him and, and be there for him. And, and I knew in that moment I needed to share the gospel with him, but to say that I would be eager to preach it is not an accurate statement. I was anything but eager. I was afraid. I was intimidated. I was nervous. I was embarrassed. I was the opposite of eager. I was reluctant to share the gospel. Here I was, you know, a person who, who still had their life together. And here's my brother who has lost everything, you know, and I'm looking at him and I'm intimidated to tell him about the gospel. But I pushed through it and I shared my faith with him. And I told him about my experience with Christ. And somehow, right, somehow I invited him to believe the gospel and put his faith in Christ. And guess what? He did. Right? And it changed his life like that. 
My brother at the time was 120 pounds soaking wet. You could see the outline of his skull under his skin. He was so skinny. He was practically homeless. He was jobless and he was about to lose custody of his daughter. And he was so addicted to meth, you could tell he was on his way out. It was, it was about to kill him. And then he gives his life to Christ and his life changed. Right? He gave up his addiction cold turkey. I've never heard anybody do that before, but he did. He gave it up cold turkey and he, he got plugged in to a church. He found employment. He got himself a, a little cheap car and a place to stay, you know, for him and his daughter. And then his whole life just began to change. His whole world changed because of the gospel. Now, 11 years later, he's married. All his kids are grown up. Um, he is the Western regional warehouse manager of the world's largest solar company. Right. And he has a robust, life-giving faith in Christ. And understand, I wasn't eager to share the gospel, but I did it. And it changed the world for him. My brother and his family's lives changed because of it. And you would think that after witnessing such dramatic power and such a life life change, that witnessing the power of God in that moment, that I would become eager to share the gospel, but I didn't. I was still uncomfortable and still hesitant. I was still afraid. Why? Why are we so afraid to share the gospel? I mean, it is real power to change the world. I mean, we're not afraid to tell people what doctor they need to go to. We're not afraid to tell people about what contractor they should use. And we're darn sure not afraid to tell people what we think about their problems, even when they don't ask. Right? So why are we hesitant to share the good news of Christ? Like Kirk Cameron said, if you have the cure to cancer, why wouldn't you share it? You would share it. Of course you would. Well, you have the cure for death. You have the cure for the greatest problem that anyone's ever going to face known to man. So why do you struggle to share it? Why? Well, I read an article in the Christian Post... That lists in 12 reasons why Christians don't share their faith. Uh, but there are six of them I really think they're relevant to, I think, most of us. And I want to kind of like just share them with you. And the first one is fear. <laughs> People experience fear. They begin, they, they, they begin, they, they fear being ridiculed. They fear disapproval. People fear their family and friends rejecting them because of their faith. They fear making people uncomfortable. They fear that those around them, you know, they fear that, 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 what's, what they're going to think about them. Oh, yeah, here comes the holy roller, you know. Oh, she's just a Jesus free, you know. Oh, here she goes again about the love of Jesus changes everything, you know. I mean, some people fear those things. We fear how people will treat us. We also fear that people treat us differently, right? And if you've been a Christian for very long, you've experienced that. I know Kim and I, you know, even though we have lots of friends and people that we're close to, there's just a lot of stuff we don't get invited to because we're Christians, right? Because they think, well, they're Christians, so they're not going to want to come here. Or worse, they think, they're Christians. It's going to be really weird having them around. You know what I mean? We're not going to be able to do what we want to do with them here, you know? So people fear that kind of rejection, People fear looking too pushy. They fear coming off as a religious nut. Right? They fear, you know, they, they just fear that they're, 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 everyone's going to look at them differently as a result. Fear is a big obstacle for so many people. And then, number two, many people don't share the gospel because they don't feel like they're qualified. 
They feel like, like, man, I just don't know enough, right? Like, that's, you know, what happens when somebody asks me a question I don't know the answer to, or they talk about some crazy idea, you know, that I don't know how to refute, right? I'm not sure what to say. I mean, I don't even have a theology degree or, you know, some people feel like you have to be a minister of the gospel to be able to tell people about Jesus, right? The third thing is many people don't share their faith because of political correctness. They're just afraid to offend somebody because of what they believe. I mean, it's like the worst thing in the world right now to offend somebody, right? And it's not just individuals. It's, it's whole churches. We don't, we don't say words like sin and hell and judgment anymore, right? You're seen as, as, those words are seen as out of bounds and intolerance. I mean, the moment that you begin to say that Jesus is the only way, you are immediately labeled as a, as a simple-minded bigot, right? The moment you talk about sin, people will tell you, you're full of hate, right? Political correctness shuts people up. That's why. That's why anybody in their brother who wants to make a point or shut someone up, they just start throwing around words like sexist or homophobe or Islamophobe or racist or even bigot, even if it's not true. And most of the time when they use it, it's not true, right? But they use it because it, it hurts people's feelings and it shuts people up. So it makes it really hard to share your faith with someone. And many people are hesitant to share their faith because they've, they're influenced by our culture, there are many people who, who claim to be Christians, but they're influ- influenced by the culture's acceptance of a philosophy that says the truth is relative, right? And, and it's not objective. That there's no objective standard for truth. What's true for you ain't true for me. What's true for me might not be true for you. We all have our own truths is what we say. What's right for you ain't right for me. Right? And that kind of makes it hard to help other people see the objective truth of their sin problem. Number five, some people struggle to share their faith because they're just not strong Christians. They have a weak faith, right? And this is more common in the church than you might realize because the church for so many years got focused on putting people in seats instead of telling them the truth. They got focused on telling people, put, putting people in the seats instead of teaching them the foundational theology that they needed to know. Right? Many people were taught, you know, all you've got to do is just say some little prayer and you'll be a Christian regardless of what they actually know about the gospel and regardless of what actually is happening inside of them. Right? They were never taught the foundational truths about the fact that you have a problem. It's sin. There's, a, there, there's an issue with that hell and that you need a savior. So weak Christianity is another reason. Number six, though many people struggle with their faith is because so many people around them believe differently than they do and they have strong convictions of, strong convictions of their own faith. For example, we live in a community right now where many of our friends, close friends, people that we know and love are a part of the LDS church. Several good friends, several good people that we care about deeply are in that particular faith and they're very committed to their belief system. Right? And because they're indoctrinated in that faith system, and because they have, and we have close ties to them, because, because they're our friends, right? they can be kind of intimidating to tell them that they're not saved. Right? Because you don't want them to be uncomfortable and hurt their feelings. Right? It's hard to tell them that they need to learn the real gospel of Jesus. It's hard to share with them our faith. Now, I know for many of you, the reasons, the reason why you don't share your faith it could be one or a combination of all these issues. 
But I think the biggest one probably is primarily fear. I think that we all experience fear on some level. So how do we overcome this? How do we get past this? I mean, we all know. I mean, we can agree. This is what we're called to do. I mean, we know. I mean, if, there's, if somebody says, hey, what's, 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 what's God's will for my life? Read your Bible. Pray. Get into a church. Share the gospel. Those are all the things that really come to mind. If you know for a fact what God's will for your life is, it's, that's, that's there, right? We know that this is what we're called to do. We are called to share the gospel of Christ with the world. It's something we're all supposed to do. But how do we get past the fear that we end up feeling? How do we get past the fact that we're not experts in every part of theology? How do we do this? Well, today I want to help you. I want to get really, really practical today. Um, I want to share with you basically three things in this text that I think that will make a big difference about you sharing your faith. Because there, there are these three truths in what Paul says in, in verses 15 and 16 that I think that we really often overlook. And I'm firmly convinced that if we will learn them and take them and apply them to our lives, we'll be much more confident and we'll be much more willing to do what we all know God is calling us to do in the first place. So let's, let's take a look at the text again. Paul says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Now in this text, there are three important ideas that we need to take a closer look at in order to overcome our hesitance to share the life-saving gospel with everyone else around us. And the first one is found in verse 15. Paul says, I'm eager to preach the gospel. The key idea in this text is eager. Now, the Greek word that Paul uses here, that we translate as eager, is prouthumos. Prouthumos means, certainly means eager, right? But it carries with it an underlying idea, right? The words actually are... are, are um, Passionate ahead of time kind of thing. All right. It's kind of a it's kind of a weird word, but the idea behind it is that we need to be ready, right? Or in other words, Paul's saying is, I'm ready to preach the gospel. In fact, that's how the King James Version actually renders it. It says, As much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in that are at Rome also. You see, Paul's not simply saying, I'm eager and excited. He says, I am also ready. I am prepared to preach the gospel. And that idea alone by itself can make all the difference in the world for you. Being prepared and being ready. I mean, think about this. How many of you right now are intentionally prepared and ready to go share the gospel with someone tomorrow? This week? You see what I'm saying? Because, because you haven't gotten ready to do that. You haven't gotten prepared ahead of time to do that. Right? And we all do things every week that we need to get ready for. Right? We all have to get prepared for things. I mean, you go to work. right? How do you get there on time? You got to get ready. You're prepared, right? So what do you do? You do your laundry ahead of time so that way in the morning when you wake up, there's clean clothes. Right? You take a shower, hopefully. Brush your teeth, right? You, you go to bed the night before. You set your alarm. You wake up. You get dressed. You eat breakfast. You pack your lunch or take a couple of bucks in your pocket for the cafe, right? The point is, is you get ready. Right? 
You know what you need to do. And so you get prepared and you do it. It's the same thing when you go to town and go shopping, right? You go put gas in the car because you're not getting very far without that. Even if you have to pay like an arm and a leg from down here, right? You got to put gas in your car first, right? And then you got to make your shopping list, right? You take your credit cards. And then most of you already have in your mind exactly what it's going to look like. I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm going to stop at Costco. I'm going to drive across town and get the car washed. I'm going to go do the oil change. I'm going to come back over here. Because, you know, when we go to town, we have to do it all at the same time, right? So you're already getting ready. You know what you have to do to get prepared to do it, right? It's the same thing with vacation. You pick a date. You decide when you're going to be gone, when you're coming back. You decide where you're going, who's going to go with you. You plan out the details, who's watering the dogs, right? Who's collecting the mail. You save your money. You pack your clothes. You buy your tickets. You get ready for it. You even get ready for things you don't want to get ready for. You even get ready for things that you're not comfortable with. Like going to court. Right? Right? Like having a conversation with someone that you disagree with. Like when you go to school... (laughs) To stick up for your kid because they're getting picked on all the time, right? When you have to go confront someone about their behavior or their attitude, right? You have to get ready for those conversations. Most of you, I know, if you know that you're going to have a, a, a tough conversation with someone, you're already getting ready. In fact, you're driving over there already rehearsing what you're going to say, right? How many of you have like rehearsed a bunch of stuff and they get there and they go, oh, no big deal. And you're like, well, wait, I got stuff to still say, right? Yeah, because you're ready, right? You rehearsed it. You practiced it. Right? Every single one of you know what it means to be ready to do something. Everyone you knows what it means to be ready to do the things that you need to do or what you want to do. The reason why you don't share the gospel is just because you're not ready. Right? I, I mean, you may have, you don't have a plan to go out and share the gospel with anybody this week. So you're going to tell me that it's fear? Right? I'm sure that plays something in there, right? You're going to tell me that you just don't know enough or don't have enough training? You're going to tell me that you're afraid to offend someone? The reason why you don't share the gospel is just because you're not ready. You're not fulfilling your purpose is because you've not decided to be intentional about it. You've decided so far that it's not a priority yet. You've not simply gotten ready to do it. And I know you, you already have plans for this week, right? I got to go work tomorrow. Oh yeah. I got to pick up the pie from Costco and then to the in-laws for Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. Black Friday. Got to do that. Right. You already have a list of things that you're going to do. And most of you have a list or have a calendar. And the reason why you don't share the gospel is because you've simply not gotten ready to do it. You've not put it on the calendar and you've not put it on your list of things to do. It's that simple. And so the first thing you need to embrace is you need to get ready. It's that simple. That's what you need to do. You need to get ready. In fact, let me just show you how very simple this is. In your notes you'll see there's a blank sticky note there. All right. All right. So go ahead and take that out. Open your notes up. Take the sticky note out. All right. Yes, I insist. And so when you get that sticky note out, there's one thing I want you to write down. Every one of you needs to write this down. And it says, I will share the gospel with at least one person this week. And I know that your hand's shaking now. You're like, that's what you got to do, right? 
You were called to do this. I'm helping you. I'm helping you fulfill your calling. All right? So write it down. I will share the gospel with at least one person this week. Right? Every one of you. Right? That's the first step. That's, that's how you get it started, is you make a plan to do it. That's how you get it going. Right? And then what you need to do is when you take this sticky note, take it home. Right? And, and I want you to put this on the mirror in your bathroom. Right? Or on your calendar on the wall, or on your dashboard car, wherever you can see it, right? So you can be reminded, hey, I just made a commitment. I'm going to actually do this thing that I've been putting off and acting like I don't have time for. You need to prepare, to be prepared to share the gospel with someone this week, right? So that's your commitment. So the first thing is to plan to do it, right? The next thing that you need to do is you need to begin to prepare yourself to do it, right? You need to prepare yourself to have this conversation. And the very first place that you start is by praying. Right? Salvation is a supernatural activity of God. It's not something you're going to do on your own. You're wielding the power of God. So if you're going to do that, start with prayer. Lord, help me to share the gospel with someone this week. Lord, prepare my neighbor's heart to at least hear me out this week. Lord, help me not to be afraid to, to tell People about your love. Help me, Lord, to see the opportunities to share Jesus with other people. You start by praying about it. Lord, make this mission of my life. And then, just like you do with other people in other situations, you need to decide how you're going to approach it. Right? Because I know if you're going to have a conversation with someone at the school about something you don't like, you're already like ready to have that conversation. You're preparing your approach. You need to prepare your approach to this conversation, right? And you could like totally be like right up front and say, you know, if you died today, do you know where you're going to end up? Heaven or hell? I, I mean, there's some people that take that approach. It's like right out there. You know what I mean? It's a conversation starter for, for sure, right? But that's how some people approach it. Is that going to be your approach? Or maybe you might take the really, really soft touch and go, hey, you know, we've got this Christmas thing going on at the church. Why don't you come down? In fact, before we even get to Christmas, why don't you come in here? The pastor preach the week, next week, right? And then let him preach the gospel, right? I mean, that's, you can do that. Yes. Right. Or perhaps you might take like the middle road and you might say, you know, you're really important to me. And, and I love you very much. I love you so much. There is actually something I need to share with you. And I'm not asking for a lot. I just, can you just give me a couple minutes? I just, because I love you, I need to share something with you, right? That's, that's another way, right? And, and there's lots of ways, right? You just need to decide how you're going to bring it up. At least have a couple of different ideas of how you're going to approach it when the time comes. And then you need to be ready to share. You actually need to be ready to tell people what the gospel is, which means in your own words, you need to be able to explain to them, hey, by the way, you have a big problem. Right? And that problem is going to have huge consequences in your life. Right? And you can't fix it on your own. But God made a way. He gave you a solution to your problem. So what you need to do is receive that solution as a gift of God's grace by faith. Somewhere, some way, you need to be able to explain to them the truth. That they're a sinner. That there's consequences for that, which is called hell. They can't fix it. Christ died because of God's love to save them, and they receive it by faith. That's what, you, that's what you need to communicate in a nutshell. Now, you might say, well, that's, I don't know if I can do that. Well, there's lots of ways. You can look those up. But in fact, let me give you a couple right now. One's called the Romans Road. You don't even have to do anything but open the book of Romans. All right? The Romans Road is an easy way to share the gospel with people. 
Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Right? Romans 3.20, no one will be justified by the works of the law, which means you can't fix it. Right? Romans 5.8, God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God presented a solution. He sent Christ to die. Right? That's how much he loved you. Romans 3.38, we are justified by faith. Romans 10.9, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means he's the boss. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that, Christ, that, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the Romans road. You don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to know anything out of Isaiah or Zechariah or Genesis or, or, or the book of John. You just go right to the book of Romans and you stay right in there. Pretty simple. And then there's the four spiritual laws. Um, the four spiritual laws is actually another very simple method to present the gospel. And it's the same principles, just phrased a little differently. Law number one, God loves you and offers you a wonderful plan for your life. Law number two, man is sinful and separated from God. Therefore, because of that, he cannot know and experience God's love and plan for his life. Law number three, Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. Through him, you can know and experience God's love and plan for your life. Law number four, you must, we must individually receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord then we can know and experience God's love and plan for our lives. You see how really simple that is. It's all involving God's love and plan for our lives and the phases of how we get to experience that. It's the four spiritual laws. See, that's, you just need to have some way that you're ready to explain the gospel to them and, and, and to be ready to tell them. And if you're like, oh, I can't do that. All right, that's cool. Then just give them a Bible tract and, and say, hey, read this and let's talk. Right? In fact, we have several tracks on the back table there that we have picked up, including the four spiritual laws, right? And then there's also 10 reasons why Jesus came to die and don't waste your life. But these gospel tracks are designed to help you to communicate the gospel in the least you know, intimidating way possible, right? And there's a few samples on the back. Just check them out. Let us know what you think of them. The church plans to, to begin to like having... You know, big, vast quantities of those laying around are the ones that are our favorites because we want to give you the ability to go out of here and wherever you go to be able to share the gospel that way. Right? But whether you are prepared to talk to them or give them a track, you need to get ready. You need to plan to share the gospel. You need to decide on your approach and you need to decide how you're going to communicate the gospel, whether it's in your own words or a tract. And then understand... There's going to be a learning curve, right? It's like everything else, right? It's a skill that you learn and you will get better if you'll just do it. So plan on it and do it. Decide that you will talk to someone about the gospel and do it. It's that simple. Now, you might go, I'm so nervous because what if they're mean to me, right? What if they reject me? What if they think I'm really being pushy? Well, Paul knows a lot about that. But he says, he says, So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, when, when Paul says, I'm not ashamed, I think there's something here that we can learn from. Because the word translated ashamed means disgraced or personally humiliated. Right? 
A person is ashamed. Right? But, but there's an underlying, again, theme here. A person's ashamed in a way is, that is like to be singled out from misplacing his confidence. Right? That's really the idea that Paul is communicating. The idea of, of being ashamed is, is trusting in something or someone that can let you down. Right? His confidence was misplaced is the idea. The word ashamed can refer to being dishonored by, by forming the wrong kind of allegiance, trusting in the wrong person, if you will. And so when Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel, he's saying that his confidence is in the gospel and it's not misplaced. That there is no disgrace in declaring the gospel because ultimately his trust is in the one who can be trusted most, which is Christ. Paul placed his confidence in the gospel of Christ, and so can we. We can proclaim with boldness the truths of God's word, right? With no fear that our confidence is misplaced. Because as Paul says, anyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. What Paul is saying is that I'm not ashamed of the gospel because... I know it, I know who it is that I'm, I'm trusting in. I know who I am relying on. And I know for a fact that he's not going to let me down. You see, the, the, the second thing we need to understand is that sharing the gospel is an act of faith. That's the reality. Sharing the gospel is your faith in action. To live unashamed of the gospel means to proclaim it. We don't... We, you don't... You know, proclaim the gospel because you expect every single person to, to like you and believe you. You do so. You proclaim the gospel because you have faith in God. Right? You trust in Him. You believe that, that God will not let you down. He will vindicate you and not allow you to be put to shame. Now that's, you know, not to say you won't experience negativity or, or rejection from some people. Because the truth is you will. It's the nature of the gospel. The, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. Right? In fact, Paul certainly faced a lot of negativity and rejection because of the gospel. He was mocked and ridiculed. He was thrown in jail. He was beaten. He was even stoned nearly to death because of the gospel. And ultimately, he was executed because of the gospel. But he continued to preach it and he continued not to be ashamed because he knew that with all his heart that God would not let him down. And that's where we need to get to. We need to be ready to preach the gospel. We need to understand that God's not going to let us down. He will deliver on his promise to save you. And sharing the gospel with others is an act of faith that demonstrates that you actually believe what you said you believe. Now, the last point I want to make about this text is that when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. I think this is probably one of the most important because I think we get this really kind of twisted up. I think we take, we, we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves here. And this text is a principle. If, if we will learn it and apply it, I think it will change. It'll, it'll change the way you see everything about sharing the gospel. It will change how you understand what it means uh, to share the gospel. And I believe if you embrace it, it'll take a lot of pressure off of you. It'll actually make it easier for you to step out of your, your comfort zone. Because what we're talking about is a comfort zone. It'll make it easier for you to step out of your comfort zone to share the hope of Christ with other people. And that is this. The gospel is 
the power of God for salvation. I want you to hear that, okay? The gospel is the instrument that God uses to save people. God is the one who actually does the saving, not you. This is the part I think we get all really weird about because we think, man, they reject me, right? Your job is not to save people. Your job is not to change a person's heart. Your job is not to make converts. In fact, you can't. It's impossible. Those are supernatural things. You can't do that because it is God's job to do that. God is the one who softens hearts. Right? God is the one who opens spiritual eyes. God is the one who takes someone spiritually dead and makes them spiritually alive so they can hear the gospel. Salvation is 100% the work of God. God does his part. Right? Which means you don't have to carry around the pressure of trying to be smart enough or good enough or pretty enough or eloquent enough or, or knowledgeable enough. To convince people. Your job is not to convince people anyway. Your job is to make a plan and to have enough faith in God to go out and tell people about Jesus. Right? You do that, then you've done your part. And then you need to trust God with the results. The gospel is the power for God. The, the, the gospel is the power of God for salvation, not you. The gospel is the tool that God uses to save sinners, not you. You are the messenger, right? Which means the pressure is off of you because if you share the gospel with someone, they say, no, it's okay. You've done your part, right? You just need to trust God to do the rest. And, and, and I mean, you certainly need to continue to love them and let, let the light of, of Christ shine in your life. And you need to be persistent and remind them of the gospel message from time to time. But understand, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the gospel. They're rejecting God. And only God can fix that. Well, you say, what if I mess up? <laughs> what if I don't know all the answers? What if, what if, what? Let me tell you, I have like, I have two vast different experiences with, with sharing the gospel. The first one was with my brother. And like I said, and I mentioned before, and when I shared the gospel with him, you know, understand, I can't remember for the life of me what I even said, right? I was new. I was a new Christian. That day was like a blur, right? I'd never shared the gospel before. I didn't even really kind of know what to say, right? But somewhere along the way, I must've said something that he needed to hear because he gave his life to Christ, he acted in faith and his, God saved his soul and his life changed. Now, years later, I was taking a class on evangelism. And one of my assignments was to share the gospel with someone. All right, so this is homework, right? I'm going to get a grade to do this, right? And so I got this whole plan and they're telling me, all right, pick someone out that you care about. Someone that you can relate. I got all this checklist to do this stuff, right? <clears throat> And I found someone that was close to me that I cared about deeply. I walked them through, you know, how much I cared about them. Uh, you know, they, they knew that. They understood that. And, and, and I told them how I wanted them to be with, with me and my family in heaven, right? And I told them about sin and their problem with sin. I told them about hell. And I told them about how Christ, you know, what, they, what Christ has done for them, that they would receive it by faith. And they listened to me and they were polite. And they were like, um, yeah, I'm just not ready to believe yet. What? How is that even possible? Did you not hear what I just said? You know what I mean? 
but, but understood. You know, they didn't believe, right? And I was dumbfounded. <clears throat> but here's the thing. In both instances, I did exactly what God called me to do, right? I shared the love and hope of Christ. And God saved one, but he didn't save the other one. At least not yet, right? In one case, I stumbled around and fumbled for words and didn't know what to say. And God saved him. On the other one, I was preaching, you know, and it didn't work. God didn't save them. Why? I don't know. I'm not God. Salvation is the power and the work of God. He does things according to his plan, according to his will, according to his wisdom, not Sherman's. Right? And so it's not my job to save people. It's God's job to save people. My job is just to care enough about people to make a plan to be ready to walk in faith and share the gospel with those around me, knowing that my job is to be the messenger and it's God's job to save the souls. We just need to be ready. We need to walk in our faith that God will not let us be put to shame. We need to do our part and let God do his part. That is it. It's not any more complicated than that. Now, we're going to talk lots more about this as we go along. Absolutely. And yes, you're going to have questions and that's great. That's why you come here to learn, to be equipped. That's why Paul says that he gave some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, right? The thing is, we're going to talk more about this. I will absolutely give you guys resources. I will post videos on how best and how not to, to approach people, right? You just need to be committed. It's what God's calling you to do, right? And as a preacher, my job is to remove obstacles and excuses, right? To help you do that. So we just need to embrace these three things. If you will embrace these three things, if you will be ready, if you will walk by faith, if you will trust that your job is to be the messenger and that God's job is to save souls, you can overcome the fear and any other obstacle that prevents you from sharing the hope of Christ. You can overcome any obstacle that gets in the way of your purpose. And your purpose is to glorify God by changing the world. God has entrusted you with the life-saving message that will do that. God has entrusted you with the gospel. Now get ready. Walk in faith. Do your part knowing God will do his. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, two times I give that message today and two times it convicts my own heart. You know that I love you and it's actually kind of easy for me to hide from the pastor. Right? Because when I talk to people, they find I'm a pastor, one of two things happens. They either want to talk about it or they want to find some way to get away from me because they don't want to talk about it. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just convict my heart for me to be more purposeful, to go out and find a way to share the hope of Christ with more people. They give me a passion for that. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And then what breaks your heart is people going to hell. 
And I pray, Father, that you give me a passion to go out and share this gospel with the rest of the world. That I would not be afraid or ashamed to go and tell them you are in great need. Because of your sin, you're going to have huge consequences in your life. You will face an eternity of torment. I'm sorry that that word offends you, but you have to hear it. But God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on your behalf. And that if you receive him by faith, you can be saved. Lord, help us all just to be bold enough to do that. Help us to be bold enough at least to, to put a tract in someone's hands. Help us, Lord God, to fulfill the mission that you've called us to. We've seen on the map, Lord, how your word is being spread all over the world. And you, your word says that's the purpose. That people of every nation, every tribe, every tongue will hear the gospel. And then the end comes, Lord. So, Lord, fulfill your purpose in us. Strengthen us. Give us a passion to do this. Help us to follow through on this, Lord. Help us to bear fruit for your glory, Lord. I pray for all those that are here. I pray that you would meet them where they need to be met, whether it's material needs, whether it's just love and hope. I pray, Father, for those who are not here, that you'd give them traveling mercies to bring them back home. And I pray, Father, that you would lift up the people in this place who will go out and storm the gates of hell and tell the rest of the world about Jesus. We love you. We praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.